I remember riding in the backseat of the car when I was a little kid and asking my mom, why don't they just create more money? Every kid understands that those little pieces of green paper can be exchanged for chewing gum or video games or ice cream. And every little kid likes to envision a world where he or she has more of those magical pieces of paper. My mom, who's no financial expert, had no issue explaining to me that inflation would result from this. And this was something I immediately understood, even as a seven or eight-year-old. Even a kid can grasp what the loss of purchasing power means for that tooth fairy money that's wadded up in their piggy bank. My kids asked me the same question the other day. Dad, why don't they just make more money? I shared the same answer my mom did over 30 years ago, and they got it right away, just as I did. But here's the thing. That's the simple answer. In reality, it's a lot more complicated than printing money causes inflation. You see, we have been printing money, trillions of dollars worth. In fact, one out of every $5 in existence were created in 2020 in response to the pandemic. But the creation of money isn't just a response to the pandemic. It's been happening for years. The total money supply of U.S. dollars as of now sits at around $20 trillion. But just 13 years ago, going into the Great Recession of 2008, the money supply was just north of $7 trillion. So before the pandemic, the Federal Reserve was creating new money at a clip of about $60 billion per month. So where was all the inflation during that period of time? And why is it that only now we're starting to see inflation show up? I don't recall a moment in my lifetime where inflationary forces were so apparent. And the financial media, as you'd expect, is all over the story. They love a scary headline. And those who lived through the 1970s understand how inflation can be a devastating thing for a household. In Episode 7, we're going to talk about money creation and inflation fears, and whether this is something we should be concerned with. As always, thanks for joining the conversation. I'm Certified Financial Planner Justin Daring, and this is the North Country Wealth Management Podcast, where we discuss markets, investing, and the headlines that impact your finances. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any specific securities. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and all investing involves risk. The views expressed are those of North Country Wealth Management and do not necessarily reflect the views of Mutual Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Investment advisory services are offered through Mutual Advisors, LLC, doing business as North Country Wealth Management, an SEC-registered investment advisor. By most measures, it's fair to say that the Federal Reserve has created a lot of new money, essentially out of thin air. And this has invited all sorts of criticism. You've probably seen headlines that compare the United States to Zimbabwe or the Weimar Republic following World War I. But before we accept those comparisons, let's bring a little context to the discussion. In 1919, the Treaty of Versailles was signed, effectively putting an end to the Great War and forcing Germany to pay reparations for the trail of carnage bestowed upon their neighboring countries. These countries didn't want the Germans' currency. They wanted to be assured of full restitution, and they weren't going to settle for cash payments of the German mark, which was only one-third backed by gold. Wisely, the neighboring countries demanded assets. In 1919, Germany began the process of making good on their promise to pay. And over the span of a decade, they handed over millions of tons of coal. All heavy weaponry and their entire fleet of locomotives and rail cars, along with a large part of the country's business fleet, 
was sent across the border as payment. Additional debts were paid in gold, and after that, their expenses still weren't covered. To help pay for things at home, the government's debt increased 4.5 times in a span of two years, and the money supply of German marks tripled during that same time. The year was 1921, and by this time, the country was in ruin. Their assets were depleted, productivity was at a standstill, but they hadn't seen anything yet. With debt still owed, the Germans tried to buy up foreign currencies with German marks and then make payment to their creditors with that foreign currency. With a ruined economy and its assets depleted, there was nothing of value left to back the German mark, and its currency collapsed, at a rate that's hard to imagine. Just before the signing of the Treaty of Versailles in 1919, one U.S. dollar could be exchanged for about eight German marks. But in November of 1923, that same U.S. dollar was worth 130 billion German marks. And from that point forward, the only real utility in the German mark was burning it for heat or using it as insulation in your attic. Needless to say, it was worth no more than the paper it was printed on. Zimbabwe's currency faced a similar fate back in the late 2000s. A combination of government mismanagement, corruption, and bad policy, massive unemployment and economic sanctions, civil conflicts and guerrilla warfare were all blamed for a similar collapse of their currency. In 2008, the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe issued single bills worth 100 trillion Zimbabwe dollars, but converted to U.S. dollars they were worth only about 30 cents each. Now let's get one thing straight. We're not the Weimar Republic, and we're not Zimbabwe. And to compare us to them is beyond unfair. It's ridiculous. We're not facing liquidation of all our assets. We don't owe our neighbors debts that we can't pay back. And we aren't facing unemployment that's north of 50%. We're not borrowing or printing at rates even close to the rate of these nations. Some critics of U.S. monetary policy believe that the dollar should be backed by gold. But because it isn't, our currency has no actual worth, and we're setting ourselves up for a doomsday collapse. But the dollar is backed by something. It's backed by a robust and productive, diverse economy, made up of some of the most innovative companies in the world. This country produces a lot of value, and the government creates dollars to represent that value. And as new value is created the government needs to create more money to represent these things. Just imagine a world in which the supply of money were fixed. In a growing economy, you'd see massive deflation, where an increasing amount of value is competing for that fixed supply of dollars. In this imaginary world, the current supply of money couldn't accommodate all the new value that's being created. So the pie needs to be cut thinner and thinner and thinner. Over time, those dollars would become harder and harder to come by as newly created value competes for that fixed dollar supply. And he'd find that there would be very little incentive to part ways with those dollars that seem to always be increasing in value. This would not be a good situation. The Federal Reserve wants there to be inflation, albeit modest inflation. About 2% is ideal. They want you to spend your money and invest the money that you don't plan on spending. They don't want you hoarding your dollars, and a modest inflation rate is a good way to incentivize this behavior. And in my opinion, the Fed has a pretty good handle on this. What gets overlooked in the inflation debate 
is the risk of deflation. And there are deflationary forces acting upon us that largely go unnoticed, unrecognized, or ignored. It's easy to understand that increasing the abundance of money can cause it to become less valuable, just like my mom told me back when I was seven years old. But what my mom didn't tell me about were all the reasons that dollars could potentially become more valuable over time. And this increase in value is known as deflation. And deflation can be attributed to just about anything that has downward pressure on prices. And we've been in an environment where there is an abundance of deflationary forces. Think about increased competition due to globalization and freer trade. This puts downward pressure on prices. Think about the disastrous economic events such as the financial crisis in 2008 and the pandemic in 2020, which put many people in short supply of much-needed cash. And perhaps the most significant deflationary force, technology, and the continued growth of the internet and e-commerce. You'd be hard-pressed to find an industry that hasn't been positively impacted by technology, which has dramatically increased efficiencies for companies, driving costs down. And when you understand the magnitude of these deflationary forces essentially all happening at the exact same time, it's a lot easier to wrap your head around the massive amount of money creation that the Federal Reserve has conducted to counteract these deflationary pressures. Now, this being said, after years of near-zero inflation, meaningful and noticeable inflation has suddenly arrived. We've all heard about lumber prices skyrocketing. Commodity and natural resource prices accelerating, semiconductor shortages, and other supply chain bottlenecks. These supply chain shortages have led to higher prices. And while it's easy to point the finger at the Fed and blame the inflation on the printing of money, an even easier explainer of inflation is supply and demand. Supply chains were quick to respond to the lower demand caused by the abruptness of the economic decline due to the pandemic. And on the other side of this, the quick success of the vaccine and the economic recovery is causing a massive rebound in demand, putting huge pressure on those supply chains. There's no mystery in why prices are rising. Now, the Fed has signaled that they're going to accept higher than recent levels of inflation. In other words, they're willing to let the economy run hot for a while. Now, another supply shortage is in the labor market, which is forcing higher wages. And this could potentially be a great thing. There's been a long debate about minimum wages, and I think it would be a great thing for the average wage earner to see the cost of labor increase. If you look around, there's evidence of this everywhere. And let me share an anecdote. There are three Chipotle restaurants all within two miles of my house. And two of the three stores are closed right now because of labor shortages. And this isn't just a local issue. This is going on everywhere. Recently, Chipotle has righteously touted their compensation packages for their hourly workers, making the minimum wage $15 an hour on top of a typical benefits package that you might see for a salaried worker. This is a great thing, and I applaud Chipotle for being vocal in their leadership of higher wages. But let's be clear about something. Chipotle didn't just raise wages out of the goodness of their hearts. They did it because they had to. They can't find anyone to work. And to attract workers, they were forced to raise wages. Now, to offset this increased cost of labor... Chipotle recently announced that they're increasing many prices by 4%. And this is a clear example of how a supply shortage, in this case the supply of labor, can lead to inflation.
but this 4% increase isn't going to change my behavior as a consumer. I still may not splurge on guacamole every time I go to Chipotle, but I won't be consuming any fewer burritos. And Wall Street thinks the same, as analysts are forecasting another record year for the company. To me, this seems like a win for everybody. The big term I'm seeing floating around in the financial headlines these days is the word transitory in reference to the inflationary environment we're in. And that's the big question moving forward. Is the inflation we're experiencing transitory, in other words, temporary, as the Federal Reserve says? To me, the Fed's claim that the inflation we're seeing right now is a temporary phenomenon makes sense. The supply chain issues, along with the pent-up consumer demand, are both easily explained by the disruption caused by the pandemic. And both of these trends seem to be temporary. And while the Fed will certainly continue to create new money, the rate of money creation seen in 2020 was temporary. But what about that increase in the cost of my burrito? Is that temporary? Probably not. Prices for many things will probably stay elevated. And perhaps wages will find a way to stay elevated also. And for the sake of the 80 million hourly workers in this country, making up 58% of the workforce, I hope this rise in wages isn't transitory. Now, to be fair in the observation of higher wages, one needs to point out that companies are competing with significantly higher unemployment benefits that were part of the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program. And I think it's fair to say that the government's actions have artificially boosted the cost of labor. But perhaps that's a good thing. The reality is, the economy of the last few decades has not provided a living wage for millions of hourly workers. And this explains a lot of our country's problems. But this is a big topic and worthy of much debate and probably its own podcast episode. Historically speaking, one of the best ways to combat inflation is to become a shareholder in a business or to invest in real estate. Homeownership has been fairly effective in keeping up with inflation. But one of the easiest and most effective ways to counter inflation is to own a piece of the stock market. And because of technology, the stock market has become more accessible than ever, even for those who don't have a lot of money. And perhaps higher wages for hourly workers awaits us on the other side of the pandemic, allowing more people to have the opportunity to become a part of the shareholder class and allowing them to hedge against the risk of inflation. I think this would be a good thing for everyone, and I'd welcome the change. As always, thanks for joining the discussion, and feel free to reach out if you'd like to have a more in-depth discussion on this topic. <laughs>